We live in a world of big data. It's everywhere. And even if it's not a company's primary profit center, almost every tech company is in the business of data harvesting, collection, and segmentation. Big data is always lurking. The collection piece might be culled from social listening tools, APIs, hardware and firmware, e-commerce, or advertising. But it never goes to sleep and is always sucking it up like a Dyson and depositing it into a repository somewhere in the cloud. The mobility industry is no different. Automobiles are now computers with four wheels and powered by either an internal combustion engine or a battery. Those computers are collecting terabytes of data. I know there are words for larger amounts of data, but my data vocabulary is limited. But collecting terabytes of data about car performance, roadways, and driver behavior. It's not necessarily a bad thing. The data makes our cars safer, which will make our car experience safer. And, as we will hear on today's episode of Raising Your Antenna, the data will not just make us safer, but improve our overall driving experience. If we are going to move to a truly mobility-as-a-service model, then the service part should be as breathtaking as the mobility part. Having said all that, data has its downsides. For starters, whether it's Google, Facebook, or a mobility company, we are the labor in that data model, and we don't get compensated for the fruits of that labor, at least monetarily. And you don't have to be a Marxist to find that troubling. And of course, big data could be abused. Cambridge Analytics in the 2016 election is a seminal example of it, but it is not the only one, and it certainly won't be the last. In addition, there are real privacy and civil liberty concerns with big data. No need to elaborate more on the point. I think the issues there are well understood. Big data is a polarizing issue, and like most hot-button issues today, it is seen by most as a zero-sum game where there are only winners and losers. On today's episode, we will inject nuance into the conversation and land in a place that is a fair one. There are certainly challenges, but the reality is that the technology is not going away. There are incredible benefits to consumers because of big data. So let's figure out ways to mitigate the risks and reap the rewards. Today on Raising Your Antenna, we are joined by two individuals who are at the forefront of the data and mobility space, and leading the charge to make big data both responsible and valuable to the people that it is serving. Ben Valko, the founder and CEO of Autonomo, and Yuval Cohen, who in his role as founder and managing partner of Stage One's Ventures, was the first to invest in Autonomo, share their professional backgrounds, what they saw that motivated them to be first movers in the space, and how they understand both the promise and potential risks of a big data world. In full disclosure, Autonomo is a client of my agency, Antenna Group. But one of the things that makes Ben and Yuval special is that they are straight shooters, which today's episode will make clear. Back with Ben and Yuval in a GIF. You're listening to Raising Your Antenna with host Keith Sackheim. Ben, Yuval, welcome to Raising Your Antenna. I appreciate uh, Yuval, especially you hosting me in your beautiful, beautiful offices, Stage One Ventures. My pleasure. And of course, uh, Ben, uh, coming over here uh, from Autonomo's uh, offices. So thank you again for joining us. Uh, and let's let's dive in. Uh, so Ben, we like to begin our podcast by asking our guests to provide their professional journey. Uh, I'll ask you to do that, but specifically, I want to ref- I want to have you reflect 
on your experience as a business unit general manager at F5 Networks, which from what I understand acquired Traffics, a company that you had founded, what that experience was like, and then what specifically inspired you to work in the connected car data space and how that industry has evolved over the years. And again, we can, I guess, a lot of questions there, so I can come back to them, but let's start with that. Okay, so thanks again for hosting us uh, here today. Um, I, you know, I, to talk about my experience in F5 is, is really interesting. Um, it was uh, painful, but also very positive in the same time. Um, of course, being acquired by a large company coming from a startup is always painful. You are not the center of the world anymore. You are coming to a big company that manages things differently. The way you look on business, on finance, on engineering, everything is very different between a big company or a big American company and a small Israeli startup. That was the painful part. But also there was a lot of things that um, I took with me from there as um, things that I thought that are important to learn. I, le I tried to use the time to learn about how to manage things in scale, how not to think only on what is happening tomorrow, but also what is happening next week. Because many times in startups, we are really worried about, okay, the next pilot, but we don't think what is coming after. Or we think about closing the deal, but we are not sure if we don't really care if we want the deal to be profitable in three years, or uh, maybe some small T's and C's that could influence the future. So it's much more milestone driven and less about strategic plans, five to seven years type of thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So for me, I learned a lot. I um, I really had um, a mentor there, the CEO, John Nekadem, someone that I learned a lot from, a very wise guy, very kind guy. Uh, so it was a good experience. I don't think you see a lot of entrepreneurs saying I enjoyed the experience. I mostly enjoyed it. And I think that there is also where the, the seeds of what Autonomo is doing started to blossom. Uh, we had some work going on with different car manufacturers. We like to call them OEMs in the technical slogan. And I found myself having fascinating discussions with some of them about uh, their connectivity needs and how they view connectivity and how they view data. And all of a sudden they talk about clouds. And I told to myself, those are car manufacturers. Why, why? Something is wrong. Why do they talk about cloud? Uh, but I found really a, a brave new world that is coming into automotive and mobility. And I found that this brave new world is a place where I can contribute. It's a, it's a world of data and communication and, and connectivity. And I think this is how the first seeds of Autonomo started to blossom. So yeah, thank you, Ben, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and uh, so Yuval, uh, Yuval Cohen, who's a managing partner here at Stage One Ventures. Uh, so you were one of the early stage, C stage investors in Autonomo. Obviously, from listening to Ben right now, it's apparent he makes a great impression in the first meeting. Uh, and I'm sure his experience in having an exit, plus working in a you know a large enterprise, I'm sure that also in terms of investing in an early stage company and the CEO having that experience is, is certainly valuable. But what was the aha moment? What was it when you, maybe Tal as well, whoever it was, sat in that room and said, we have to invest in this company, it's going to be gangbusters? Yeah, so for us, you know, we started uh, 
way before uh, Autonomo, since uh, we backed uh, Benny's uh, previous company, Traffics, that got acquired by F5, as oh, you mentioned. I didn't realize that. So you backed Traffics as well? Yeah. Okay. So we are the seed and only investor, I believe, in uh, Traffics for quite a while, and it became a, a huge success for the fund and for uh, Ben and the other employees. And when uh, Ben approached us uh, with the Autonomo idea, fr quite frankly, we we're pr pretty ignorant in the car industry and mobility stuff. Um, but after diving into it, uh, we realized that uh, data within the connected slash autonomous car would be a, a, a big thing. And we said, okay, I mean, uh, those cars would generate a lot of data uh, and, and somebody, I mean, would need to leverage on it and actually to, uh, to make some money out of it. And we felt that uh, that's uh, the right moment, you know, to, to bet on a company uh, targeting that uh, sector. Sure. On the management... So, so, so just a question on that real quick. So um, you saw an opportunity in, 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 in big data for automotive mm -hmm. harvesting, collection, etc. Back then, did you understand the possibilities on the monetization side? Did you have ideas already of how this data could be monetized or, or that was, we'll figure yeah, that out so, later. So we, we had in mind, you know, a kind of some uh, use cases that were uh, at that time was already in the market, like uh, UBI stuff. Uh, but we felt that the amount of data that uh, those cars would be collecting and the sensors that you have uh, more and more sensors in the cars, we felt that there are many other use cases that uh, uh, can be uh, uh, achieved. Um, by now, I think that uh, we have identified over the last five years, I th Ben, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it's uh, more than uh, 15 or 16 uh, use cases. Um, and again, I mean, every time we would approach and an and autonomous would approach a, a new, we, we call it a, a data customer, uh, and they they would bring us you know new ideas uh, just to share with you uh, I mean one uh, one example uh, when we started at the very beginning we didn't even think about uh, um, companies that will leverage it for for hedge funds for example that would like to know what kind of data what kind of trucks what kind of cars are are traveling and uh, and leaving Detroit at 8 a.m. Uh, on Thursday morning. Uh, so uh, you know th those kind Interesting. of so uh, those kind of applications. I mean, uh, where uh, I, I wouldn't tell you that we are aware of at the very beginning, but evolved uh, yeah. over the years. Ben, uh, you recently announced a partnership with Microsoft, which will provide uh, OEMs, which are again the large international car manufacturers, the opportunity to leverage the Microsoft connected car platform in order to innovate new services for drivers in a faster and more efficient manner. The glue to all of this, as I understand it, is of course your technology, which will enable car manufacturers, service providers, and app developers the ability to exchange data, and with your integration with Microsoft Azure, that data sharing and capturing will become even easier and more actionable. So first of all, did I get that right? All right, pretty good. I'm impressed with myself. Uh, and if so, can you unpack the deal a bit uh, and provide my listeners with some services and other products that will emerge as a result of the partnership? So definitely. So this partnership is very important for us. But let's take one step back. So connected cars are generating huge amounts of data. 
Uh, I think Gartner talks about 25 gigabytes an hour. We see slightly lower numbers, but still big, big gigabytes an hour, and it's growing. The newer the car, the newer the model, more data. Frost and Sullivan predicts that 15, 1-5, 15% of the revenues of cloud around the world will come from automotive. Now, I don't know if this number is right, but even if... That's a big number. It's a big number. But even if it's 20 or 30% of it, it's yeah, still a, still big, a number. big number. And I think this is why all the car cloud players view the automotive industry as very strategic. And they put a lot of uh, efforts. And, and also, of course, Microsoft with the Azure. Um, the win-win that Microsoft and Autonomo have formalized together is really to take the Azure capabilities, which are very strong in storing the data and maybe analyzing the data and giving a restrictions and, and access control to the data. They just had a big win, by the way, right? Yes. They beat Amazon for the Pentagon business. Yes. So you picked right also, maybe. <laughs> don't, don't put me there. But, but really, the win-win between Microsoft and Autonomo is really to add a, a mobility and automotive layer with autonomous functionalities. Yep. So the offering will be to car manufacturers, I'm not only keeping your data and storing it for you, I'm also helping you to generate value out of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not only taking your money, I'm actually bringing you some money back. Yeah. And it seems to be, um, we are very proud of this partnership. Uh, it's early days, but it seems very, very promising. Okay, fantastic. Uh, and, and Ben, you know, I'm going to ask you now for the purposes of this question, um, to elevate yourself from your perch as CEO of Autonomo, and let's make you right now the titular head of the mobility industry. Okay. So you, you, you have your crown on? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> From that purview, I'm interested in your perspective on both the opportunities and challenges for OEMs when it comes to data collection. And you just mentioned the size, but it's not always the quantity. It's also the quality. So what's, what, you know, what are the challenges and opportunities there? Um, and then the impact on consumers, both its positive value, which people don't hear about as much anymore, and that's super, super important to unpack. There's incredible value for the transportation experience for consumers, and transportation as a service, huge opportunity, huge value. And of course, the flip side, which is around privacy, and the truth is the second part of that question will dovetail with my next question. So maybe you just want to talk about the benefits to consumers, and then we can come back and talk about maybe some of the Concern. So again, just to reiterate, opportunities and challenges for the OEMs, and then on the consumer side, what are you know what should be making them excited about all this? So it's a, it's a very good question. I think that when we talk about the opportunities for the OEMs, um, there are many, but I think there are two main opportunities. One is that connectivity is very expensive. And OEMs are living in a world where margins are very slim. Can you explain what you mean by that? That is expensive. So what do you give me an example of what that means? You need to put the modem. That's a couple of hundreds of dollars. You need to pay AT&T or Vodafone. That's twenty, thirty dollars a year per vehicle. You need to store the data also in some cloud. That's another dollar or two per vehicle a year. At the same time, the margins are low, single figure. So if you really? are getting 2-3% margin as a car manufacturer, it's your luxury. Is that what the margins are today? Two, it, it, wow. de it depends. On but, which, yeah. But it's low. I didn't realize that. Okay. 
So connectivity is really taking big part of the three margins out of the pocket. So one thing Autonomo helps and enables the OEM to do is to build an ROI, to take the data and try to share it with third parties and make up for some of the connectivity costs. But the second value, or the, the second opportunity for car manufacturers, which in my view is more important, is that um, Autonomo Air is helping car manufacturers to build an ecosystem of services around the vehicle. We help them to share the data in a secure manner with insurance companies and, and with uh, retailers and, and, and emergency services and services on demand and, and hundreds of different services. And by doing this, car manufacturers can enable additional value to their customers, to the driver. Because if we are connecting your car to 14 different parking services and you can find parking faster, this is a clear value. Or we can connect your car to this emergency service that if something happens to you, it makes, alerts the, the hospital and the ambulance comes out faster, it saves life. Or we have this great uh, service that know to identify when you are low on fuel and automatically dispatches someone to come and fuel your car. That's great service. You don't need to worry about it. And of course, there are dozens of sure. different uh, use cases. And of course, an happy customer will buy the same car again. So this is, the, in my view, the value that Autonomo brings and the, the opportunity around data to generate new revenues which are much more than single-digit margin, it's data, and to build value and additional, uh, make the customers... The customer experience. Exactly. Yeah. And everything we talk about going forward is mobility as a service. So service has to be about experience. Exactly. I, I really believe that almost everything, when we talked about the future of mobility, autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles, mobility as a service, shared mobility... If you double-click and open literally the, the engine hood, it's all powered by data. And what we provide in Autonomo... Especially with the, with the new... Gen I mean, with the internal combustion engine cars, there were, what, 500 parts or whatever it was. There's, in a Tesla, 20? Yeah. It's all data. It's all computing. It's all computing. Yeah. Um, and we try to provide a distribution system for this data. What are the challenges? The challenges are many. The challenges is um, data is uh, data and connectivity are expensive. The challenge is how to do it in a safe manner. It's um, there's no knowledge and DNA enough in the OEMs. It's all uncharted territories. Um, a long list of challenges. Sure. But but I think this is where we come and the value that we we bring to the, yeah. our OEM partners by helping them really to get into this um, very deep and stormy Rubicon and cross it safely to the other side. Yeah, fantastic. And to have a bit of a selfless plug for my agency, Antenna Group, so we actually, we're, we're blessed to work with Ben and, and Autonomo, and part of our mandate is sort of what you alluded to, which is as an educational process as well. So Detroit and Silicon Valley, right? Ice cars and autonomous vehicle cars. These are two different cultures and languages. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I totally relate to, to, to that last comment. Again, back to consumers, and you alluded to it, but Autonomo recently published a privacy playbook, which was a fantastic move, and Lisa Joy Rosner is a genius. I'll give her a plug as well, and I know that she was very much behind that. Um, let's talk, what are the top two to three takeaways for OEMs, suppliers, and mobility disruptors 
in their approach to consumer data. So when when they when we're marketing this, what do you want them to take away from it? So for I think that the most important thing really is that um, we believe that the driver owns the data. And the OEM is a custodian of the data. Not everybody agrees to that, by the way. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. You need to take sides, and we took this side. Okay. We really believe, and I think what we see with GDPR and CCPA or API yeah. in Japan is really that the drivers yeah. or the car owner, depending on the country, owns the data. Yeah. Now, the OEM, you know, is getting the data out, he's securing it, he's, he's, he's keeping yeah. it in the cloud. He has rights and he should be compensated. It's a bit like our bank. Our bank is custodian of our day of our yeah. money, and he takes his his, yeah. his cut, and and that's totally okay. And yeah. government as well. And government is over. But I think, in my view, the most important thing when you deal with data is really to take the stance that uh, drivers own the data. And if you agree with this, it it means that you need to be transparent, and you need to have the right approvals in place. And you need to look for services that will generate value for the driver. So everything in the sunlight, everything very open, everything very, very transparent. We believe that this is the way to build a long-lasting relationship. So how do you do that? What's the advice? So the advice is to fully follow the regulations. The advice is to give the right tools and mechanisms to your customers, the drivers, to, to manage the data. So that's opt-in abilities. Exactly, different opt-in abilities, different uh, abilities around to forget the data, different abilities around to transfer the data, and ch- choice between different services. So really everything that is in the GDPR playbook, uh, fully exercise it. Um, it worked well for us. I think that the auto industry is very different than the internet industry. And some practices and some ways of handling data in the internet industry, in the web, won't work in the auto industry. So unpack that. What do you mean? Give one example. So I think much more visibility, much more visibility, much more transparency, consent, default opt-out for some use cases. In the internet, we don't always know what is happening with our data. We don't always know where it's going. We have very low control on things. I don't think that it will work with the auto industry. I think that we, we trust our car manufacturers. Those are companies that has been around for 100 years. Uh, we trust them with our life. Taking someone's car, it means yeah. I, I trust. That's true. This is not selling shoes. Exactly. And I think that uh, they need to take the same approach for data to maintain this uh, trust relationship. So when you speak with an OEM, for example, um, and you have this discussion around data, is there pushback? Do you agree? I mean, so their perspective obviously is somewhat different. Um, What what does that dynamic sound like or look like? Not really today. I think that in the early days, um, many times they were like raised eyebrows. It's our data. We should control it. We want to do whatever we want. The driver need to thank us for giving him the connectivity. Um, not anymore. I think there's more maturity in the market, more understanding. I think also different regulations like GDPR and CCPA yeah. also. Have Cult- culture changed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah the conversation yeah. changed. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we saw also a couple of things on the web that uh, people understood that that's not the right to build with lasting uh, relationship with customers. So a lot of change in the last two years. 
and we actually see the market moving more and more to the stand we took from the early days. I don't think it's our education. We are too small. It's just uh, we were lucky yeah. enough that uh, what we thought is right is also happening in the market. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, one of the things that's been written about um, is that how OEMs, so in the 1960s and 70s, Chevrolet, Ford, GM, they didn't ask people what they wanted in a car. They built the car. This is what you have. We know better. As long as they buy a black and Ford car. Remember it. Yep, exactly. Right? So there was no... And then the technology, you know, technology 2.0 and in general, the Googles of the world and Facebooks of the world who are building around what customers want as opposed to telling customers what they want, that changed certainly the perspective of some in the OEMs. And I think that goes to your point around data as well, that you can't anymore just tell customers this is the way it is. There has to be a sensitivity to their experience, their needs, their privacy needs, security needs, et cetera. Ben, I know you mentioned already a couple of use cases um, that really are going to impact on uh, consumers' lives because of connected car data. But is there one that jumps out that, you know, almost, uh, you know, the hair on your arms jump out because it's so exciting? Well, there are many of those, and usually when I start, I cannot stop. Um, so we'll give you two then. <laughs> so maybe let's touch things that will make our life better. So one is around uh, smart cities. Um, we are involved in quite a few projects around smart cities, utilizing car data to make our urban environment safer and better. And I'll give you some examples. It's, for example, to take the speeds from the vehicles and use it to tune the traffic lights. It's to take suspension information from the vehicles and find problems in the roads. It's to take uh, accident notification from the vehicles and find dangerous places. You know what's the coolest one we had? We had one in Europe. We In many places there's a camera, like Mobileye or equipment yeah, sure. in the vehicle. Yeah. And we get this information also. And they called it tra- uh, garbage truck avoidance. It happened to all of us that you got... You get stuck behind the... Right. the Always truck. when you're in a rush, by the way. Exactly. So think about one car identifying the garbage truck, taking the image, sending it to the cloud, and through Autonomo, different services are getting it, and then you get on your phone an alert, garbage truck, 400 feet in front on the left, turn right now. School buses also, by the way. You know what? That's the next feature. Those are even more <laughs> annoying, to be honest. I love children, but there's nothing worse when they stop at every house and you have to be 50 feet behind. So, yeah. So next time you are, you are safe from a garbage truck, remember who made it happen. Um, so there, there are many really, but we, we really see use cases around safety and use cases around energy. Electric vehicles are very important and strategic for us. Um, we believe it's a big part of the future. They are less polluting. Um, and one of the interesting things with electric vehicles is when you charge the vehicle from the car data, we see the battery goes up. And this is, can be used to identify where you need to position new charging stations or to do scoring mm-hmm. to existing charging stations or to give people advice where to go and charge because there's no queue right now or find malfunctioning charging stations. Every day we see that in this location in the outside of IKEA, people are charging, but today there are no charging, no battery going up from this location. Maybe something is wrong. So it's, it's really hundreds of use cases, but I hope you, you get a better understanding of 
where we live. For sure. Thank you. No, those, those are useful, useful use cases. Um, so Yuval and Ben, maybe, maybe we'll end with this. Um, and again, thank you so much for your time. You've been very generous with it. Um, I just spent the last two days at the Smart Mobility Summit in Tel Aviv. Um, the conference was jam-packed with startups, OEMs, Tier 1s and 2s, institutional and corporate VCs and investors and other influencers. And it truly was an international conference. We traveled from all over the world to be here to mingle, network, uh, because they wanted to be around these great minds in the industry. I mean, it's mind-boggling when you speak with somebody from South Korea. I mean, their perspective, just because of all the companies here, is Israel's, you know, 5,000 times the size it really is. I mean, it's, it's hysterical, right? So, but everybody's coming here. The last question is, first to Ben, but also Yuval, sort of in a different way. As someone who's founded and exited a company in the past, um, and now you founded one and is successfully operating, driving it into one of the more prominent, successful mobility startups in Israel. I know that because when I try to get new business, I say, by the way, we work with Autonomo, and eyebrows go up, so that's good, good for both of us. Um, what's your advice to the entrepreneur uh, who's going to try to get traction in, in this environment, an environment that's crowdy, noisy, ultra-competitive, and maybe bubblish. And then Yuval, maybe when Ben is finished with that, as a venture capitalist and investor, I'm curious about your opinion about the bubblish feel to some of the, uh, to the industry right now. Is it overheated on the investment side or some of the valuations a little bit out of control? And as an investor, kind of how you're managing that and seeing that. So... We'll go with Ben first, and then if you can answer that afterwards, I think that will be a great way to wrap up. Sure. So I think that um, one of my advices to entrepreneur uh, entering the automotive slash mobility industry is really try to make contact with the field as soon as possible. By the field, you mean OEMs and Tier 1s, exactly. that kind of thing? Exactly. The, the OEMs, the car manufacturers, the Tier 1s, the different players, uh, validate your ID, see the traction, and try to get pilots to have a partner to build the technology, tune it to the real needs. I, I'm, I'm, I think that there are a lot of advantages of building stuff in the garage. The worry is that you come out of the garage with something that nobody's interested in. So like everything in life, it's balance. Um, I think the last thing I will say before I let uh, 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 Yuval talk is that um, Another symptom or challenge in the auto industry today is that with so much cha cha changes coming, um, you need to have something real. It's very dangerous for a startup to build something for a technology that will be in the on the roads in five, seven, or ten years, and nobody's sure. Interesting. Because what happens if seven years become twelve years? It could easily happen. So try to have something that is needed today. Um, it's good to have the long-term vision. The the North Star, but think how you navigate to this North Star through closer stars, which are less flaky and more real. So I think that that's a challenge for many companies today in the industry. Yeah, so Ben, that, 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 makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, I, and I think you're right. There are a lot of companies that sort of build the technology, have an industry and application in mind, try to shoehorn it in, not always successfully. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, Yuval, just again, as somebody who's been very successful on the venture capital investment side, um, what's your impression of the market? You've been in early, right? So you've, I mean, you were at the earliest stages of the, this mobility, uh, smart mobility industry. Yeah. 
I, I don't remember the numbers that I hear from EcoMotion as to startups in Israel, but I, it's in the thousands. Is that is that that's accurate? Right. It's, it's a lot of companies looking for capital, and that's just Israel. Um, and you know, you see because of maybe the Mobileye exit a number of years ago, and some of the uh, valuations on some of the fundraisers, like Nauto, for example, right, got a crazy valuation after not doing necessarily that much. So, is there? You know, what's your take on the investment appetite? temperature right now in the space? Yeah, so for sure, I mean, there are uh, many startups in Israel uh, tackling the, the automotive industry. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, it started, I think that uh, one major trigger was uh, the huge success of uh, Mobileye. But when you look at the first generation of, of the Israeli startups, uh, these were more companies uh, developing cameras, leaders, and this kind of hardware for the what is called the autonomous car, right? Uh, and and here I'm I'm referring to uh, to Ben last comment that uh, when I look at it, I mean it, it sounds that the autonomous car, I mean the and the autonomous industry might happen today, in two years or in ten years, and for a startup uh, it's it's very difficult, I mean, to bet on something that would happen in ten years. So I would highly recommend, and the, that's what we liked uh, in Autonomo from the very beginning, that the fact that uh, the company is targeting the connected uh, sector was much more appealing for us, at least. When I look at the second generation, uh, the second generation is more, I would say, data-driven, software-driven. I think that uh, we're going to see more and more companies trying to, uh, to solve traffic problems in, in large cities, yep. In, in even here in Tel Aviv, which is can be considered as a small city, uh, but look what's going on in New York, in, in other parts of the world. I think that uh, that's a, a very interesting sector. Uh, so, that, so that and also, I guess, the micro-mobility solutions that are making it more difficult that, yeah, to manage the traffic. Yeah, everything that would make it much more efficient yeah. because you see more and more cars and, uh, and less space for those cars uh, in, in large cities. And it's interesting, you know, when Uber and Lyft and all the kind of car sharing services came out, people thought that would actually reduce traffic. It's actually yeah, not true. Actually, it's the opposite. It's, yeah, it's the opposite. It's the opposite, which and, has been really and, interesting. And, and when you look at it, so, and look at company, a company in New York, Via, for example, that are trying to tackle it from a different angle. Uh, let's make, make the same service, but in, in a much more efficient way. So I believe that uh, this trend, together with smart cities, uh, smart uh, uh, red lights, uh, would make uh, a real difference. So overall, yes, no, you're bullish on the industry still. I'm bullish in, uh, on the industry, just like I'm uh, bullish on the cybersecurity industry. I mean, the, the but fact we're not, that but we're are, not talking about cyber. The fact so. that there are many uh, startups in the cybersecurity, I mean, yeah. is known especially in Israel, yeah. but still. This is but cyber, you know, funny, cyber makes sense in Israel Yeah. because security is paramount to the survival of the country. Automotive is, doesn't necessarily make sense. You have no OEMs in Israel, right? It's not a huge country. So it's just interesting how this yeah. ecosystem evolved in a country that it's not Germany, it's not Japan, it's not Detroit. Because, it's interesting. Because I think that uh, what is, you know, OEM realized that the most important part of the story is the data slash the software. software. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and that's the reason why you see more and more of those players coming to Israel. Uh, 
and uh, and trying to uh, to uh, look at interesting uh, companies. Okay, well, that's a great way to wrap. Thanks so much, uh, Yuval and Ben. You were fantastic guests. Thank you for being on, and look forward to seeing you both soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. And another episode of Raising Your Antenna is in the books. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and look forward to connecting again next week. Raising Your Antenna is a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, Keith Zakheim, that features the movers and shakers and key influencers of the B2B technology industry. Our guests are leading revolutions and disruptions in the mobility, clean energy, healthcare, and real estate technology industries. Raising Your Antenna is brought to you by Antenna Group, a full-service digital marketing and public relations agency that focuses on the B2B technology industry. Please be in touch with me on Twitter at czakheim with any feedback about this podcast. And check out Antenna Group at www.antennagroup.com if your organization is looking for a really smart and good-looking marketing and public relations partner.